As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to Prospects to Pros, the podcast where we talk about the guys who are about to get drafted, the guys who just got drafted, and everything in between. I'm Andy Staples. I'm here with Dane Brugler. We had little little IR issue last week but we're we're back everybody's healthy we're good and even better you guys are the star of the show this week because this is this is listener Q&A and you guys have some incredible questions Dane put out the call for questions a couple weeks ago and I have been very impressed and I actually want to ask Dane all of your questions we can't do that on the show otherwise it would be 10 hours long but we're going to try to get to as many as we can, and I'm very excited about this first one because it's it's very topical and really ties into a lot a lot of the stuff we're talking about this year's draft prospects, even though it's about a guy who's been in the league for a few years. So this is from David. A retrospective look at Jalen Hurts, the prospect, versus what he's become three years later, the front runner for NFL MVP. How did he get here, and how does the elite athleticism plus intangibles change the QB evaluation going forward? That's a great question. It really is. And with the way Jalen Hurts has put himself into the MVP discussion, um, obviously he's questionable this week uh, against the Cowboys with a shoulder. So that'll be interesting how that affects that offense moving forward. But uh, looking back at him as a developmental player uh, or as a prospect, I, I, I graded him as a developmental player, as a backup who could potentially become a starter down the road in the NFL. And, I mean, safe to say he's far exceeded my expectations for him as a passer. And I like the way David asked this question because he hit on two key areas that Jalen is just off the charts, the athleticism and the intangibles. And Mm -hmm. as a passer at Oklahoma, he didn't throw with consistent anticipation. 
he was often late working through his reads. He, he'd force it into heavy coverage. Uh, there was a reason that he wasn't drafted in the top 50 picks, you know, and I remember, uh, you know, just talking to many around the league after that draft, if the Eagles hadn't drafted him at the end of the second round, he probably would have fallen into the third round. So what's the lesson that we learned from this? And I, I think obviously part of this is the Eagles offense, right? Like let's, let's not take credit away from Hertz, but let's give credit to the Eagles and what they built with that offensive ecosystem. You know, it's a set an, an, an incredible offensive line. Plus, you yeah, exactly. added weapons. Like, you go get A.J. Brown this offseason. Right. You you drafted Devontae Smith. It's a dominant run game. Um, Dallas Goddard, when he's healthy, there's a nice supporting group around them. Like, let's let's give the Eagles credit for what they built. But also, you know, the most important relationship in football is between the quarterback and the play caller, right? And so, Hurts, his versatility with his skills, that allows Philly to uh, attack the weaknesses of the defense. Uh, you know, some games we see them rely on the pass. Other games, it's more of a run-heavy attack. And, and Hertz is, is the catalyst of both. So he's just a much different runner than most of these mobile quarterbacks. You know, he's different than Josh Allen. He's different than uh, Malik Willis. You know, he's just different than Lamar Jackson. He's 225 pounds. He's got the build, the vision, the toughness uh, of a running back. Uh, but he also does a really nice job avoiding hits. So he doesn't take a lot of those, those those punishing hits that that we see. Uh, even, you know, some of these you know, quarterback sneaks that he's going to take hits, obviously. But for the most part, he does a nice job avoiding contact. So I think that versatility really unlocks a lot with with the game plan. But, you know, specifically looking at Hurts, I don't think it's as quite as simple as just athleticism and intangibles, right? Because if it was, Tim Tebow, we'd be, you know, he'd still be starting right. in the NFL. I, I think the improvements that he's made from college Compared to, uh, I mean, really, just even from last season, uh, you look at it, and it's just it's really, really impressive. Usually, quarterbacks we don't see them make these drastic jumps with their timing, with their decision making uh, in the NFL when everything just gets faster. So, Hertz has done that, and I think a big part of this, and this I think maybe is the best way to answer David's question about how we look at the quarterback position moving forward is a big part of Hertz's development has been the mental toughness. And I think that has allowed him to stay confident and never a doubt. Uh, you know, he never doubted his talent, you know, even though he made mistakes. Uh, the more he saw coverages, the more he figured things out. And really, I think that's the main difference between Hertz um, and even like throw a guy like Josh Allen in that mix who took his lumps, uh, you know, as a, as a draft pick in the top 10. Uh, even though he did go early, People were immediately calling a bust. They beat him up throughout the process. Uh, even his first year as a rookie, uh, you know, he was labeled a bust early on. Uh, but the way that these guys have overcome the mental determination, the resiliency to battle through all those mistakes and realize their fullest potential, that that takes so much intestinal fortitude and the mentality. And that's that's really the big difference between Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, compared to a guy like Zach Wilson right now, who yeah. is. You know, it, it, he's struggling to work through those mistakes, those speed bumps. So, uh, you know, I, I think that that's the best way to answer this is, you know, yes, he's improved as a passer and that's always hard to predict. But it's it's the toughness, the the the, the mentality to, to really power through that. So, um, you know, but I mean, even at this point last year, we, fans, us in the media, we were talking about the Eagles. Oh, they have two first round picks. They're positioned well to go get a quarterback if they need to. I mean, that's not even on the table anymore. It's it's nope. the, it's crazy the amount the narrative has changed. Well, so Jalen Hurts in college was a really interesting case study. If you go back to his first game, 
This is true freshman year, 2016, Alabama, USC, and Jerry World. Yeah. Blake Barnett starts that game for Alabama. Blake Barnett was a five-star recruit, had redshirted, uh, was one of several guys they had on that roster. They had Cooper Bateman as well, who was another high-profile recruit who didn't wind up doing much at Alabama. Jalen Hurts comes in in the middle of that game. He's throwing beautiful deep balls. By 2018, when he's about to leave Alabama, his throwing mechanics looked all out of whack. His ability to throw the ball down, I feel like his accuracy was was completely different. And I feel like his time at Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley was kind of, sort of the reclamation of his his passing ability. And it's mm-hmm. that's where it started. And then it sort of evolved as he got in the NFL. I'll give you a, a trivia question. How many offensive coordinators did Jalen Hurts have in four years of college? Oh, gosh. So, I mean, obviously Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. And then at Alabama, mm-hmm. you know, he went through – was Lane the there his last the year? The answer is four. No, okay. Lane was his first year. So, Lane Kiffin. Oh, wow. Brian Dable, Mike mm-hmm. Loxley, and then he transfers to Oklahoma and plays for Lincoln Riley. So, if you're looking for why he might be an outlier and why he improves so much as a passer early in the NFL, which we don't see very often outside of like Josh Allen, that may be the reason is that he was dealing with a lot of changes and said, do this, now do this, now do this, now do this. And now he's in a consistent environment where someone is looking at what he's good at and building an offense around what he's good at. And it, it the intangibles also helps because I will never forget standing in front of Jalen Hurts' locker after the national title game when he had been pulled at halftime and Tua had come in and basically won the game for Alabama. You could not have handled that situation with any more class and dignity then Jalen Hurts handled that situation. And that's when you just knew this guy is different mentally yeah. because most people would have just gone to the shower, to the training room and never come out. And, and then the way he handled the next year at Alabama, because that was before the transfer rules changed. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if it were now he would have transferred after the 2017 season, he would have played somewhere else in 2018. But at the time you couldn't do that. You had to sit out a year. So he was in a situation where he was going to graduate from Alabama at the end of the 2018 season and be able to play somewhere immediately. So he was either going to miss the 2018 season sitting out or he could be the backup at Alabama. He chose to be the backup at Alabama and came in and saved their asses in the SEC championship game game against Georgia. Yeah, when when Tua got hurt. And never once complained, never once did the woe is me thing. He was just great the entire time. And, you know, I read the stories about him, you know, lifting with Lane Johnson and and that that's who mm-hmm. he seeks out. And it tells you a lot. And yeah. so when you have those intangibles, that's a great ground floor to start with. You still have to be able to make the throws, though. And that's the part that's amazing to me is that has happened in the NFL. I just gave you the excuses for why it probably happened. That still doesn't mean it's usually going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's why quarterback is uh, not only the toughest position to play in the NFL, but the toughest position to evaluate uh, because there's just there's so many layers here. There's so many things you have to understand. Um, you know, scouts have a hard job trying to uh, not just watch the film and understand the talent, but dissect the person and, and just get a better sense for 
uh, you know, it's one thing to see the toughness on the field, but the mentality that's it's it's really tough, and it does especially for these young players who are not done, you know, developing emotionally and, and things like that. So yeah, it really is tough. And, and anyone saying that, oh, we saw this in college and it was obvious, and I mean, come on, mm-hmm. like tell, no, his at Oklahoma. Watch the Texas tape. Watch the LSU tape uh, in the semifinals. He, this does not look like the same Jalen Hurts at all. I mean, watch the no. Eagles last year. This does not look like the same Jalen Hurts. And it, all the credit to Hurts for, uh, you know, developing, reala- realizing his fullest potential. And I mean, it's just, yeah, really, really impressive. So uh, good opening question from David. Um, all right, I'm going to throw one at you now from uh, Odd Beam at the real Odd Beam. Uh, can you discuss how many tackles may slide inside at the pro level? Looking at the tackle and inside interior offensive line class and how they differ in depth, how could that be balanced a bit down the stretch? Um, so this is this is a good question. I think a lot of uh, prospects apply to this one. And I have asked you this jokingly a few times over the years because I, I just laugh when I read draft coverage and, and they talk about offensive hmm. tackles and it feels like four-fifths of them. Well, it might slide inside. I'm like, is anyone right, right. actually an offensive tackle? Like, how perfect <laughs> of a human being do you have to be to be to, to, to play tackle in the NFL? Because every team has to have at least two. So there's like 64 jobs out there. So there may not be 64 humans walking around that fit the mold, but somebody's got to play right. this. But Peter Skronsky from Northwestern is the one I'm most curious to get your take on, Dane, because he has an arm length that would not, suggest that he's an NFL offensive tackle, but you watch him maul people and you say, okay, this guy will be successful on an NFL offensive line. It's just a matter of where do you deploy him? Yeah. Can we, can we debunk the, the catch all? Oh, he's not long. He doesn't, yes. doesn't have the arm length. Okay. Well, just move him to guard. You know, it's just, it's just that simple. You know, it's not like there's any more challenges. Uh, oh, oh, you're going to be facing 320 pound defensive tackles yes. that are an inch away from Quickness your face. Quickness may matter slightly. Yeah. Exactly. So it is the same thing with like, uh, oh, a corner that ran a four five five. All right, just move him to safety. He'll be fine. It's not quite yep. that simple. Um, but with Skaronsky, he's one of those guys that I think has true five position versatility. And that that's not, you can't say that about every player. I think we could say that about Peter Skaronsky. Um, everything about his game, it translates really well, except he's just, he's not the longest player, but the way that uh, the way he processes the game, the quickness that he plays with, I still give him a chance to stick a tackle. But uh, because he's going to be, I'm told, under 32 and a half inch arms, which obviously big red flag. Uh, you know, you, uh, for a lot of teams, if you're not at least 33, it's an automatic move. They're not even going to entertain the notion of you staying outside a tackle. But with Skronsky, his ability to reposition his hands and feet and his eyes mid-engage engagement. Is just so so impressive. Uh, everything that he does is quick, mentally, physically. Um, uh, you know the way he can handle stunts, the way the way he can sit down with his anchor, uh, even when rushers are able to get into his chest. Uh, he just processes everything extremely well. He's a big time finisher, controlled feet. Um, I, it, there's there's a lot to like about Skaronsky and how his game's going to translate no matter what. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes anywhere between pick three and pick twenty. Any of those would, would not surprise me because he's going to get dinged from a lot of teams because of the length, and not every team's going to be interested in drafting a guard in the top eight to ten picks. 
But this is still, um, you know, one of the players that you look at and say he's going to be a longtime pro. It's just a matter of, um, you know, what position you see him playing. Uh, aside from him, what our, our guy, um, you know, Cody Mock from North Dakota State, uh, one of mm-hmm. our favorite players in the draft. Yeah. Uh, by the way, they're still playing football in North Dakota State and South Dakota State uh, in the F- FCS championship down there in Frisco, Texas. That'll be a fun one. That first week in uh, uh, January coming up. So. Uh, something to look forward to. Uh, we see him. You can see uh, uh, Tucker Craft, the tight end. So a couple yep. uh, NFL the, prospects. The, full, the fullback from North Dakota State as well. Yeah, I mean, I, he's hurt. I don't know if he's going to be back by then oh, or not. Oh, that's but, right. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's with Mock and Craft. That might be the two first two small school uh, players mm-hmm. drafted. So it, a reason to check out the FCS championship game. Uh, but it, it, Mock's another guy. He's probably going to come in under 33 inches uh, in terms of arm length, um, and that's going to be a problem. And so, and, he, and I wish he was bigger and a little more stout in his lower body. He just doesn't have ideal sand in his pants. And so, uh, you know, I, but I do really like his that's hands. That's Dane's way of saying his ass ain't big enough. Yes, it, that doesn't have the bubble that ideally you want. Uh, <laughs> but uh he he resets so easily versus power. So even though uh, you know you not having uh, you know that lower body that you look for, a move inside might be detrimental. But because he does reset so well uh, versus power, I I do think he could play guard at a high level. And the, the Senior Bowl that'll be uh, you know no Senior Bowl for Peter Skaronsky, but Cody Mock will be at the Senior Bowl, and so it'll be interesting. Yeah. Do they give him reps both? at tackle and guard or maybe, you know, try him at tackle. And, and, and so that'll be interesting to see what they do with him. A guy that, that I think about when I hear that, that question is, is Isaiah Wynn, who, mm-hmm. when he was at Georgia, people are like, why aren't, why doesn't Georgia move him inside the guard? This guy's yeah. only six, three. You got Isaiah Wilson on the roster. Like, what are you even doing here? Yeah. Isaiah yeah. Wynn still playing tackle in the NFL, by the way. Still. He is, he is, yeah. And we see these guys every year. I think uh, two other ones that we'll hear about this year, uh, Syracuse's Matthew Bergeron, uh, who is an outstanding run blocker, but there are some issues in pass pro, and that's why I think the top 50 talk's a little rich. I see him somewhere somewhere in day two. I think it's the right value uh, because his, uh, his run blocking is so good. But I think if you move him inside the guard, that might be the, the, the way to get the most out of him. And then Maryland's uh, Jalen Duncan, who there's plenty of love uh, out there with him, yeah. uh, could go as high as the second round. Now, personally, I don't see it. I, I have a lot of issues with Jalen Duncan. Um, I, I don't I don't even know if I would take him top 100. Uh, the athletic tools are there, but constant issues of technique and balance. It's just really concerning for me, especially when you're talking about a four-year starter. So um, I, regardless of position, tackle or guard, I, you know, I've got those questions, but I do think maybe a move inside to more of a zone-based scheme might be his best chance of success at the next level. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. So we got a question from at Texans UK and uh, sorry, at Texans UK 99. So uh, the, their their screen name is Bryce season because they're, they're mm. waiting for Bryce Young to get picked by the Texans. But this is more about their other fandom in the in their Twitter handle. If Will Levis ended up going early in the draft, would he be ready to play early or mm. would he need to sit? Uh, ready or not. I think we'll see him on the field as a rookie. And obviously it depends where he lands, right? You know, if he goes to Carolina, we'll probably see him next September. If he goes to Detroit, uh, you know, Jared Goff still presumably the starter. Uh, Levis would not be rushed onto the field in that situation. So landing spot does matter. Um, but, it, you know, it, it, this brings up an interesting, you know, philosophical way of looking at the at the quarterback position. Uh, you know, because in the past, I think with unrefined quarterbacks, we would always hear, oh, he just needs to sit and learn. Well, you know, for most quarterbacks, they learn by getting reps, being on the field, right. not just studying a playbook. Right. And so with a quarterback like Levis, who has physical traits, has mental toughness, uh, I think he can work through things if a team is willing to be patient, uh, you know, use that mobility, use his legs. Uh, to, to help things. This is what we, you know, we just got done talking about Jalen Hurts. I, I do think that Will Levis has some of, uh, you know, that, that, that toughness, both mentally and physically, that he can work through some of those issues. So uh, most young quarterbacks, they're going to get better. Not all. Uh, some guys are what they are. But with Levis, I, I think that there is upside there. And it's hard to quantify, obviously. But he has those intangibles that if he mm -hmm. needs to handle disappointment early in his career, I think he can. The coaches rave about how super competitive that he is, how he's not afraid to fail. Um, you know, football is really important to him. So when you factor in the intelligence, the toughness, it, it to me, I understand that not everyone's been wowed by him. But you know what? This is a guy that, and, and look, I get quarterback 
wins is a hotly debated thing. Um, but you know what? what? Like it or not, it's a stat. Okay. And and it's to me, quarterback wins and losses as a starter has no more or less relevance than completion percentage. Because a lot of things matter, you know, in terms of, you know, for that thing, for for those, for that stat to come up. Now, just like every stat, it's flawed. You need context, everything else. But you know what? Will Levis is 17 and 7 as a starter at Kentucky. That's not easy to do, you know? And so I, I think that you got to give him credit for that. I, I I do think that with all the, everything that he has to offer, I 100% understand why he's going to be drafted in the top half of round one. Um, and I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he's drafted top five because of what he could be and with all the talent that he has. Yeah, it, it, it is such an interesting one. And we talked about Jalen Hurts and the ground floor being the intangibles mm-hmm. and, and it's a good cost of admission. Like if you're, mm. if you're going to pick something to base everything on to, or to start with, you start with those because you can build on it. And obviously Will Levis has the physical tools as well. You just don't know if he can put them all together in the right package. Now you've seen him be effective with an NFL offensive coordinator who yeah. actually may be a Kentucky offensive coordinator. Again, yeah. uh, the, the word is that Liam Cohen is headed back to Lexington uh, to, to be Kentucky's offensive coordinator again. So you've seen him in that kind of offense, the offense that, that everybody in the NFL wants to run and you've seen him be effective. So that's, that's, I think what you got going for it, I, I just I still don't know if it's all going to come together for him. That's yeah. this is the hard part with QBs is is realistically maybe one or two of the guys are going to work out, and it may not be any of the ones that we're thinking. Like the year that Dak Prescott got drafted, we were not talking about Dak Prescott very much heading into the draft. We just not weren't. like this, not not as a yeah Pro Bowl type player. No, yeah, and and Jalen Hurts. We were like, oh, we'll see where Jalen Hurts winds up. But we were not talking about him being mm-hmm. a top quarterback in the draft. It just wasn't yeah. wasn't part of it. So it's all a lot. Chuck Klosterman wrote a, a really interesting thing about this where he compared it to to teachers. You mm-hmm. can take all the classes in college and you can do student teaching, but until you stand in front of a classroom by yourself, you just never know how good mm-hmm. of a teacher you're gonna be. And it's the same thing with an NFL quarterback. And we, we see it going from high school to college, but it's more pronounced going from college to the NFL. Until you try playing quarterback in the NFL, you have you truly have no idea how good somebody's going to be. Yeah, and uh, it's a crapshoot. It is. <laughs> it really, hundred percent is. is. It, it's it is there, and there are so and again, there's so many variables that help figure out what, what this player is going to be. So, um, it, it it really is fascinating to talk about. And, and look. I have had my fair share of misses. Uh, you know, like I, I did not see Patrick Mahomes becoming Patrick Mahomes. Um, I was a little, I was a little higher on Mitchell Trubisky than uh, mm-hmm. than most. In that. I mean, so trust me, I have had my fair share of misses when it comes to these quarterbacks. I, I am by no means uh, a, 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 an expert at this. I don't think there is such a thing. I mean, the, the smartest people uh, in the NFL in terms of scouting and evaluation. They've got some big L's on their resume when it comes to quarterbacks, just because it's like you said, it's a crapshoot. Um, you know, it's it, it, it's just funny how some guys they could luck into Peyton Manning, and other guys just they 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 don't hit on those guys, and they're looked at as bad GMs because they couldn't find I, that quarterback. I, I don't know that it was I don't know that it was luck. Uh, well, they the Colts the Colts had to be really bad the year before, and yeah, uh, 
I, I, I know Ryan Leaf. I, I've worked a lot with Ryan Leaf over the years uh, on the radio. And Ryan will be the first to tell you if you had interviewed Ryan, you wouldn't have drafted him either. He was as shocked as the rest of us that the Chargers picked in number two. Oh, no. Well, I'm just I'm just saying, like, okay, Bill Polian, for example. I mean, he's, yeah. I, he's in the Hall of Fame, I believe. Um, yeah. So, so, okay, if if you don't have that number one pick, say, you know, you just win one more game or two more games the year before and you have the number two pick, is Bill Polian in the, in the Hall of Fame? Probably not. Right. You know, like, it's just... <laughs> exactly. It, it, sometimes it just takes a little bit of luck to get that right quarterback. And, you know, it doesn't always work out like that. But, yeah, it's... Uh, it, 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 it It's funny how... Okay, you know, we're talking about how, how we're talking about these quarterbacks now. A year from now, when we're doing this, how are we going to be talking about how these quarterbacks just did as as rookies? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's it's all going to be changed, and so yeah. I mean, uh, I have I have my ideas about how this is going to go. Like, sure, I, I'm telling, I'm saying, if you're going to pick from these guys and you feel like he has to start next year, take Bryce Young mm-hmm. because he's the best at football. The intangible part, the how good of a teammate is he. How, how, you know, how confident are you in him? Like, does he exude confidence? Does he feel like he has everything under control? Like, of these people, he's got that in spades. Yeah. Jake Hayner might end up being an NFL starter at this I, draft. Like, he's another I guy it. I feel like yeah. he's always got it under control. I'm a big Jake Hayner fan. I will be, yeah. I would be pounding the table for Jake Hayner uh, you know, probably I, I doubt he goes top 100, but once we get yeah. to day three, I don't care. Get him yeah. on my team. I don't care where you have to take him. I mean, he is mm-hmm. kind of he's the Mountain West Conference version of Bryce Young with, with the the yeah. way he can the instincts, the way he can negotiate the pocket, the way the toughness, the accuracy. I mean, you, you know describing, does not get enough love. You're describing Brock Purdy last year. Now he was in the Big Twelve. Yeah. He was he played a higher level yeah. competition in college, but. That was Brock Purdy, the guy the team loved to play for, the guy, all of that. Now, he took some risks, and you, you kind of yes. you, you wanted to know, well, is he doing this because he feels like he's got he's to carry the team on his back? Or, you know, does he – because they were at a talent deficit almost every game they played at mm-hmm. Iowa State. So now he's on the 49ers where, guess what? They have a talent advantage over almost everybody they play. And it looks like well, t- he's not doing anything crazy because he doesn't – have to <laughs> right right and, and to your point about the stage not being too big I, I mean Brock Purdy that's exactly that and and what you said earlier about uh you know Jalen Hurts and all the different offensive coordinators that he had okay with Will Levis he's had over the last three four years he's had three or four different offensive coordinators so that uh plays a part uh, as well into his evaluation so um yeah really really fascinating uh topic so um let's move off that question all right um but let's let's do with the quarterbacks, okay? okay. So this is from uh, AP. Uh, thoughts on the Giants drafting Anthony Richardson? So uh, <laughs> part of his question. So they signed Tyrod Taylor as a, as a backup slash bridge, uh, and he's under contract next season. So Richardson wouldn't have to start right away. Uh, what, you know, we're not sure what's going to happen with Jones. How would Anthony Richardson fit the Dable uh, scheme? Uh, so look, you're, you know, you're a Gainesville guy, you know, uh-huh. you're very, uh, you're very familiar with Anthony Richardson. How would you answer this question for the giants? I don't think Brian Dable would take him. That's, mm. that's what I think. Uh, now the where they, where they slot in right now, 
it depends on how they finish the season because they could be in the yep. in the mid twenties, which mm-hmm. if you're going to take a flyer on a person like Anthony Richardson, that's kind of where you might have to do it just because the uh, the traits are off the charts. The athletic traits again mm-hmm. off the charts. Like Will Levis is an impressive human being in terms of arm strength, speed, all that stuff. Anthony Richardson is going to blow him away physically and everybody else physically. Like the only other person in the NFL right now physically who matches up with him is maybe Josh Allen. So this is why everyone is is so conflicted about Anthony Richardson. But I will say the Giants just spent four years with a quarterback who despite tremendous physical gifts – did not drag his college offense to huge success. And Daniel Jones mm-hmm. actually had more experience as a starter at Duke and a well-respected coacher of Mannings in David Cutcliffe. Anthony Richardson had one year as a college starter. He did not set the world on fire. In an offense that, by the way, a guy named Levi Lewis, who you've probably never heard of, torched people in the year before. Mm-hmm. Now, granted... Different level of competition because Levi Lewis is Louisiana Lafayette. Anthony Richardson is in floor, at Florida playing against SEC defenses. But this is – and not to bring another sport into this, but this is how I feel about like in the NBA when they take a guy first overall who didn't get his team to the NCAA tournament. Like you should be able to drag your team. If you're the best player in the NBA draft, you should be able to drag your college team to be the 34th best at-large team. It's that's non-negotiable. If you're going to be a first round NFL quarterback with expectations to start within a year or two, you'd better have a fantastic offense. You better put up numbers. Daniel Jones didn't put up those kind of numbers at Duke. Anthony Richardson didn't put up those kind of numbers at Florida. That's my problem with that. And that's why I think Brian Dable would shy away. So, yeah, this is interesting. Okay, this is my take on it. Obviously, uh, Brian Dable is going to have the most important opinion in what the Giants do at the quarterback position this offseason. My early guess is they figure out a way to keep Daniel Jones in the mix. Maybe that's the franchise tag. Maybe that's a short-term deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, it, the franchise tag gets a little tricky because Saquon, he's hit free agency too. So we'll see what the Giants do there on the offense in that backfield. Uh, but the Giants, I mean, look, they're in the playoffs right now. You know, they, they uh, there's probably a better chance that they upgrade at receiver or yeah. uh, and that, you imagine know, if they had one else. one really good receiver. Imagine right. So I, I'm not. I'm just not sold that they would invest a first round pick into a volatile quarterback prospect, which probably means a step back in 2023. But with that said, let's play devil's advocate a little bit. Uh, uh, Brian Dable has said, you know, especially after some of these losses, how there are a handful of explosive plays that they missed for one reason or another. And remember, who was his quarterback last season? Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. So would he go searching for his own Allen? Or does he think Jones is good enough? Uh, Talk about Brian Dable. Well, if you're Brian Brian Dable, you also know that Josh Allen didn't become Josh Allen until they traded for Stephon Diggs. Right. Yeah, sure. That that's that's a big part of it. And so I, I think when you look at the fit, uh, Dable, uh, he believes in building the offense around the quarterback. So to, to your point, 
um, you know, building what is going to be the strong points of that quarterback and surrounding him with the personnel and the play calling. So, and just studying the Giants offense this season, Dable loves to create one-on-one matchups. And then he trusts the quarterback to make the right read. So plenty of, uh, we see a lot of play action, a lot mm-hmm. of rub routes, uh, finding ways to get guys open. Uh, but it's still in the quarterback to identify where the pressure's coming from, know where to go with the football. And that's something that, you know, we saw a lot when Dable was in Buffalo and his mm-hmm. willingness to tap into Allen's mobility yeah. and all the ways that he can stress the defense. So spread option, here, two here. back looks, designed runs. You know, we'd see that a lot. So if you pair Richardson with Dable, I have no doubt you'd see a lot of those quarterback run packages as well. So it's it's... It's an interesting way to look at it. I still think they 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 don't go that direction. They yeah. stick with Daniel Jones, but I can understand why at least you know the fans uh, of the Giants that their, their minds would go there. Here's the other piece of Josh Allen that I don't think people understand. So I I did a thing when Josh was going into his last year at Wisconsin. This was his, at Wyoming. Excuse me. Uh, this was yeah. this was his spring break before his last season. He and a bunch of other college quarterbacks. We're working out with George Whitfield, who's a quarterback trainer based in San Diego. And George would bring in former NFL offensive coordinators to help teach these guys how to set protections and, and do some things that, that maybe their college offenses didn't ask them to do. And I remember sitting in that classroom and there's a former NFL offensive coordinator on the board asking these guys questions, showing them, showing them how to, this is a six man. This is how you turn it here. This is how you, this is a five man. This is how you turn it here. Josh, because the offense he played in for Craig bowl at Wyoming with Brent vegan as his offensive coordinator already knew how to do all of this stuff. This was, there was no learning curve whatsoever with that. Every other quarterback who was there was learning a foreign language at the time. So Anthony has not been in those offenses. Now, Dan Mullen did ask, his quarterbacks to to do a lot with protection. So he's he's had to do it a little bit, but it's not the same thing as what you're going to get asked to do at the NFL level. Allen was very ahead of his peers in that aspect. That was not something he had to learn when he came into the league, which is unusual because most quarterbacks now do. So again, there's so many reasons Josh Allen's a unicorn and, and comparing Another guy to Josh Allen is unfair to the other guy, but that's yes. that's yet another one. So, yeah, no, that that that's a great point, and that's just another layer yet that you have to consider when talking about these quarterback prospects and uh, you, you know when to draft them and and their trajectory at the next level. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's move on to a question from Joe. This is one I, I really loved. Traits versus production is a constant debate. Does success lean one way or the other relative to certain positions, tight end being most obviously tied to traits? What about the others? QB, corner, edge, et cetera. So we're, which position should you be leaning more on traits and which position should you be leaning more on production? I don't care what position we're talking about. Traits are always going to be more important than production. Now, that's not the same thing as saying production doesn't matter. Um, it's saying that traits translate much more than stats. It's a simple fact that college football and the NFL are two very different sports. Obviously, you want your players to have both. Uh, you know, the, the, you want prospects to have both the the high-end traits and you know the production you can fall about fall back on from college but production tells me how good a player was in college traits help tell me how good he could be in the nfl now with that said i think there are definitely some some benchmarks that you know i look for at different positions when it comes to uh productions and stats for example pass rusher i want to see pressure numbers ideally those are sacks so if you don't have at least 10, 12 sacks in your career, uh, that that's a red flag. And you need to go understand the why. Um, a guy like Calavion uh, Chason, when he was coming out of LSU, who would flash, but he wasn't a consistent sack guy. And so for the Jaguars, he's really struggled to catch on. And, uh, you know, it's something that uh, maybe, you know, in hindsight, you say, okay, well, he wasn't a big sack guy the uh, pressure and even going to the advanced numbers, the, the, uh, the metrics uh, focusing just on pressure because disruption is production. It's not just about the sacks. Chase on wasn't a big pressure guy. Um, and then uh, that's pass rusher. And then I think also when you look at uh, defensive back over the years, I found that one of the stats that translates the most is ball production, specifically passes defended pass breakups. So defensive backs who can get their hands on the football that's something I care about. Trevon Diggs, when he was at Alabama, he got his hands on a lot of footballs. And that has carried over now with the Cowboys. Uh, last year, nobody threw at Sauce Gardner last year. And he still managed somehow to have three interceptions. He had at least three interceptions each of his three years for the Bearcats. So, you know, guys that can get their hands on the football, that is something that you definitely take notice on. And again, that that carries over. If guys are getting their hands on the football, that that also factors into your traits and, you know, that that side of it. But the production, uh, you know, it's still good to see for these players. So I, I want to ask you a trivia question. Uh, do you know how many tackles for loss the number one overall pick in the 2022 draft had in a three-year college career? Uh, probably like 15? 13. Trevon yeah, Walker had okay. 13 tackles for, and, and, but yeah. as you said, there's there's reasons. Georgia's yes. team, and there are, and and the talent yes, around exactly. it, exactly. Yeah, yes. So you have Aiden, to, you, Aiden you have to, was the example of production, and Trevon Walker yes. was the traits. 
Exactly. And it, and it goes, you have to figure out the context. Uh, you know, why did he not have better production? Was it, um, you know, simple, he wasn't getting enough opportunities or it was he just, you know, if only getting to the quarterback one out of every 12 snaps, uh, pass rush snaps, you know? Mm-hmm. And so factoring all that in, yeah, it's part of the context. And so, you know, we'll see with Trevon Walker. I think he's definitely had his moments this year. I think he's been um, I don't, he hasn't lived up to necessarily being the number one pick. Now he's been hurt the last few weeks, but, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think he's been a bust either by any means. So I think he's been, he's been fine so far as a rookie and I, no reason for Jaguars fans to be, um, you know, alarmed about anything, but we'll see how he continues to grow and, you know, develop these next, uh, two, three years. No, I, I think what we've seen so far suggests he can be the player they, they projected him as. I, I don't think yes. there's anything yes. indicating that he's, He's going to be a bust or anything. The The problem, if you're them, is you're looking at the Lions and what they're getting out of Aiden Hutchinson, and it's exactly mm-hmm. as advertised, and it's like, oh, well, you know. That and it's a ceiling versus too. floor argument. Right, exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. is, is Aiden Hutchinson going to get that much better than what we're seeing this year? Maybe, but probably not a whole lot better. Where Trevon Walker, you think, okay, he's taken a nice step forward as a rookie. What's year two going to look like? What's year three going to look like? And so, you know, that's, that's the biggest... Um, you know, debate between those two players. Um, yeah, I think that makes sense. Okay, so next question here from Eric Decker. Uh, rank the following in terms of effectiveness in evaluating prospects. Prior season's tape, all-star slash senior bowl experience, and then the combine. So those three factors. I, I'd yep. really be interested in how, you know, you, you v- view those three mm-hmm. and how you think those three should factor in. Combine last. I just okay. you, you're using the combine to check is 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 the person yes. the size you thought they were do they do they meet the the your min, whatever your minimum height weight speed requirements strength requirements might be but just minimum required do they do they come above a threshold it's it's when they fall below a threshold in the combine that, that maybe you start to worry depending on what like if it's a big ten or an SEC player prior season's tape if it's somebody who played. Mm-hmm. In a smaller, uh, small school conference, or uh, you felt like did not always play against the best competition, I want to see senior bowl practices. I want to see shrine bowl practice and practice over that game. I just want to see, you know, how do yes. how do they how do they rep against the type of competition that you generally believe is what they're going to see in the NFL. That's uh, yeah. I think you summed it up really well. I think, and this is a great question because. So we get so caught up in what happens between January and April, right? And, and everything that happens during draft season. Um, now, don't get me wrong. There's value in that, like kind of like what you said with the All-Star Games and Combine. But the foundation for every player has got to be the tape, right? And yeah. for most players, it's probably 80% of your grade. Um, and, and like you said, that changes a little bit from prospect to prospect, depending on level of competition, things like that. Uh, you know, seeing those guys in senior bowl practices, that, that's a, especially the small schoolers, that's an essential part of, of the evaluation process. Getting a chance to see, you know, mano y mano, uh, pass rushers versus blockers, receivers versus corners. There's nowhere to hide. Let the best man win. And then to your point about the combine, and, and let's, you know, we'll, we'll obviously, you know, for certain players, the, the medicals, the interviews, mm-hmm. you know, that that's, that's a big part of it at yeah. the combine. But like you said, I don't think the combine itself, just what happens, the drills, it, it that, that alone should not change a player's grade. Yeah. That's that's not how it works. Now, it's, you, it's a cross-checking exercise. Yeah. Like if, you if you've got an offensive tackle who gets five reps on the bench and he doesn't have an injury, 
Right. Okay. I have a I have a lot of questions now, but yes. if it's in a yes. if it's in a reasonable range, then I'm not mm-hmm. worried about it. I'm like, okay, you check the box. Let's go. Yes, and, and if you have to go do more work, that's you know, if, yeah. If you think a player's fast and uh, you know he goes out and runs a four five, a four six, then you don't automatically drop him. You go back to the tape and figure out, okay, is this just how he plays? Was he not having a good day when he ran? Um, and then on the other side, if you think a guy's fast and then he goes out and runs a four three, you don't bump him up. You no. already thought he was fast, so yeah, why fast. are you bumping him up again? So <laughs> exactly. right, exactly. So. Yeah, it, it should be a cross-checking exercise that you use to, um, you know, either confirm what you already thought or go back and figure out, okay, maybe what did I miss? Now, Al Davis is rolling over in his grave. It's your idea that a 4-3 doesn't <laughs> bump you up automatically into right? A, right? A, a higher yeah. echelon. But the, everybody else, I, I think, believes you. All right, this, this question is from at uh, GoodJobJared on Twitter. When does it make sense to draft a running back in the first round? I fail to see a scenario where a team is, quote-unquote, a running back away and have to spend that yeah. premium draft capital on a guy. This is a great question. I'd love to hear your answer to this. And it's very topical with uh, B. John Robinson, the Texas running back, the presumed first running back off the board, um, uh, declaring this week uh, officially, which we all thought, but you know, good to see it official. Um, look, I'll be honest. I have zero problems spending a first round pick on a running back now obviously context matters you know you know the situation that uh you know the running back is going into and and i'm not saying a team like the texans or the panthers should draft a running back in the top 10 when they have so many other needs up and down the roster but let's not pretend like an impact running back can not make this monumental difference for your offense and a team. And let's not pretend that those guys are easy to find in the fourth or fifth round because some of those fourth and fifth rounders hit people think, Oh, well just, Oh, we can wait. You know, we'll get a guy later. Uh, I mean, yeah, you can, but not to the level of what a, a B. John Robinson is going to give you. So drafting a running back in the first round to me should not be the criticism. The issue is when you give that running back those fat contracts after the rookie deal. Right. That's where it it's a slippery slope. And that, that's more of the issue for me in investing such a large cap number in that position. Yeah. It's just it's a tough pill to Pe- swallow. People so, get so now, emotional about that when when they've had yeah. somebody who's produced for four or five years and they're like, Well, we have to. No, you don't have to. I know it's hard. Mm-hmm. Sentimentally, it's tough. You love this person. They've they've contributed a lot to your team. But if you are smart about it. You're going to let them go, and you're going to find your next great running back in the draft. Yeah, and, and look, a, a guy like Saquon Barkley, like Bijan Robinson, and what they can mean for your offense, that that changes your win-loss record. I mean, mm-hmm. that that directly influences the scoreboard. So um, I, I I don't know. Guys saying that Bijan Robinson's a, oh, you can't draft him first round. Get out of here, man. I mean, like, I understand yeah. why like the Texans should not draft Bijan Robinson with a top ten pick. I I, I get that, yeah. but you know if you're if you're the Eagles sitting there in the twenties picking, I mean I, I know it's a team that traditionally doesn't draft running back in the first round. My God, what he would mean to that offense and how much fun it would be. Like that, it's a big difference than what you're drafting, um, you know, later on. So. Um, Let's can, get uh, let's can get I, more can question I, wait, before Can I offer a rule of thumb? Yeah. This is my rule of thumb yeah. in, in terms of r- drafting running backs in the first round. If if the person has elite tailback traits, but you also mm-hmm. would be comfortable if you had to play them an entire game as a slot receiver, that's a first-round mm. running back. 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, you're talking about your Christian McCaffreys, mm-hmm. your uh, Bijan Robinson, exactly. Saquon Barkley, guys yep. that, yeah, can really, and, and that's a big part of it. Uh, what do they, can they be productive pass catchers? And, yeah. because, you know, because if they I, don't I have, if they, if they don't have that second part, you can find that person mm-hmm. in the fourth round. So go get them in the fourth yeah. round. But if they have that second part, that's what makes them special. That's what makes them a first rounder. Right. Okay. I, I, I that, that's, uh, that, that does make sense. Um, last question here, uh, from Steve, actually, I'm, I'm going to have one follow up too, but for this question, okay. uh, of the four FBS teams, who's a draft eligible player that can legitimately improve their stock in these games. So give me one player at, from the four playoff teams that you think could drastically help themselves, uh, with the college football playoffs. I'm going to go with help or hurt because okay. This is a person who's gonna gonna be dealing with. We'll see the, the same one I'm thinking of. The biggest challenge on the other team, it's Keely mm. Ringo from Georgia, the corner. Ooh, yeah, because that's a good one. you gotta play against Marvin Harrison Jr. Yep, and let's see how that goes because we've seen <laughs> we've seen a lot of good at Keely Ringo. We've seen some risk taking, some things that happen. A little Stephon Diggs, uh, not Stephon uh, Trayvon Diggs mm. to his game. Where yep. you're gonna get you're gonna get some some big change of momentum type plays and uh and then some big change of momentum type plays the other way. So you're now gonna be asked to deal with maybe the best receiver in college football, a guy yep. who will could be wide receiver one in the 2024 draft. How do you handle that? And remember what he did in last year's national title game with that yeah, interception. That that's right. Six, uh, you know, Which, by the way, another... his coach is saying, get down, get down. And he keeps running. <laughs> <laughs> right. And if, if he gets another pick or two in the playoffs this year, yep. I mean, he's going to be labeled as this, uh, you know, big game player. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, no, it's going to be I, – I, I'll make a prediction. Keely Ringo against Marvin Harrison Jr. Ringo will not get beat deep. But he will give up a lot of things underneath. I think that's going to be a premium for him, is because he, he has the speed and he's mm. going to be really conscious about not getting beat over the top. But because of that, he's going to give up a lot in front of and, him. And if that and happens, George is going to win by a lot. They, they very well, they, they very well might. And, yep. and limiting those big plays, not, and I think that's going to be, and, and that trans, uh, uh, transfers nicely to to my big play or the one player that I think has the most to gain or lose. And that's CJ Stroud. Um, he's going to be facing the most talented defense he's probably ever seen in his life uh, against Georgia. And can he put the offense on his shoulders? Can he consistently move the chains, put up points? If he can do that, that would go a long way in the eyes of scouts. I've said it before. Stroud, I think he's an NFL starter, but he's not this top five lock that a lot of you know Twitter wants to uh, you know think that he is. So, you know, there's plenty of doubters around the league. If he can go out there, play at a high level, and what's basically going to be a road game, mm-hmm. that will absolutely matter with his draft evaluation. So this is a big, big game oh, for C.J. Stroud. If C.J. Stroud throws for, for 289 yards and three touchdowns in this game, I think if I'm an NFL team, I feel a lot better about him coming out of this game. Yeah. If he's, if he's well, getting and, uh, battered and, and he completes, you know, 52% of his passes and and is making some questionable decisions under pressure, then I feel a little bit differently coming out of this game. And it, so much depends on the con, you know, pressure. And and I, it, this this is fascinating. Uh, his All of his passing yards this year, 
only 10% have come of his passing yards have come against pressure. Mm-hmm. That's a very, very low number. People don't uh, get much you know, pressure. Young, their, their opponents weren't really physically capable of getting pressure until that's part other of it, than yeah. Penn State and Michigan. Those are the only defenses yeah. that had the talent to get pressure on them. Georgia does. Yeah, that, that. A, a, exactly, 100%. That's, that, and, um, okay, so we'll, we'll get out of here with this. Last question. Give me your top three Christmas movies. Go. Oh, okay. All right. Yes. Number three. I, this is a curveball. You weren't ready for this. No, I had to do this on a radio show earlier, and I think I messed up the order. Okay. So, uh, number three for me, Love Actually. Number two. Wow. Okay. It's a Wonderful Life. And number Very one, good. not only the greatest Christmas movie of all time, the greatest prequel, the greatest third in a series, Move Over Return of the Jedi, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Very good. That's a good one. I, I did see that catch that picture uh, on Twitter that you just uh, tweeted a little bit ago. That was my Hall- Halloween costume in 2019, cousin Eddie. I still have the bathrobe so and the hat. We could we could recreate <laughs> that. So uh, no, that's great. I mean, we 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 have two the same. I, I would go uh, with this wonderful life at three. Christmas vacation uh, would be my two, and then I mean Home Alone. I mean just uh, when it came yes. out, where I, where I was as a kid. I mean just it's some of that's nostalgia. That's why I don't I don't get why people slam other people's christmas list half of it's nostalgic I yeah mean, it's not it's, where you know, were, the where better were you plot in your lines. life when you saw this yeah, movie the first so, time yeah exactly so yeah home alone is my one well let me let me give you a, and i will text this to you after the show okay. there's a mental floss article from 2018 where they interview a doctor to find out exactly what sort of injuries the burglars i heard about this would yeah. have sustained it had that really happened to them kevin is a freaking <laughs> maniac they'd be dead right i mean oh 100 yes but especially if you include home loan 2 in there with uh, just throwing the bricks off the uh, roof i mean it it gets listen the stakes get higher in new york city no question about that (laughs) they do they do no question no question oh that is well that that is a great way to end it when we come back next week we will give you our playoff preview the prospects you need to watch in the college football playoff those four teams Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, and TCU, they got a lot of good players. We're going to be talking about them. But enjoy the weekend. Merry Christmas to everybody. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. This was The Athletic Football Show.